Welcome to the Green Edge podcast with Michael Cross and me, Fraser Harper. This is our weekly roundup for the week ending 12th of August 2022. So, Michael, our main post this week, which went out on the 11th of August, is about a launch event you attended recently, convened and hosted by UK100. Tell us a little bit about UK100. UK 100 is a relatively new body set up by Polly Billington. Many of us will know her from a journalistic background, which tries to bring together a network of progressive local authorities and city regions to drive the move towards net zero in an equitable and progressive way, and therefore harness the power of the green change in our economy for growth for all. Um, It also positions local authorities as change agents in this process. Uh, And the launch event was for a series of reports that they published last month on the progress of local net zero delivery. So what did you pick up at the launch? Well, I picked up two things, I think. One is uh, UK 100 in their report produced a very useful little gap analysis of areas where further change needs to happen to speed things up. And they listed out eight major areas. So it's quite a lengthy list. And we identified about 12 major messages that came out. I'll just pick out one or two of those. There's one consistent theme around the need for further delegation uh, into the local authority networks or city regions. And it's not just delegation, but also the funding that goes with that to remove and move away from contested funding to sustainable long-term funding to allow some real planning. Um, two other things I'd like to pick out. One is the pooling of learning and the sharing of that across local authorities. And we need to have a mechanism by which that can physically happen because we have lots of learning activity and points going on and we need not to repeat mistakes. Another little point that came out was the whole systems approach and the creations of systems approaches to solving climate-related problems and therefore the skills implications of that in local authorities who've been pretty pioneering in the whole systems skills approach to social and economic issues. And my final little learning point I'll pick out is the absolute need to stop making mistakes and repeating uh, mistakes. And the positive side of that is not missing those opportunities. Like when you build a new house, do not build it such that we have to retrofit it. Make sure that we actually start from a point where every house that goes on the market is net zero. Now, where I live in London, 1,300 new properties were built in the last year. Not one of those was a net zero property, which is just ridiculous. Now, one local authority that has signed up to UK 100 is Portsmouth City Council. And one person there who knows UK 100 well is Councillor Kimberly Barrett. Since being elected to the Milton Ward in the city in May 2021, Kimberley has held a new post on the City Council as Cabinet Member for Climate Change and Environment. I caught up with Kimberley this week and started by asking her about how the UK 100 network operates in practice. UK 100 being part of this network where we can all talk to each other as councillors, councillor, officer to officer, chief exec to chief exec, it's really helpful and you know, it, it means that the more councils that sign up, you know, the more pressure you can put on the government to take it really seriously and say, look, look at all of us standing shoulder to shoulder. 
regardless of political party, we know what the frustrations are, we know what the problems are. You now need to help us and take this seriously and let's push forward with this so that we can push past the government's target. We want to get there before that because things are only going to get worse. As we heard from Michael earlier, one of the main recommendations of the UK 100 report is a move away from central government's seeming fixation on contested funding and into long-term, non-competitive funding and capacity development to support local net zero delivery. Kimberley had this to say. As a council, we put in all sorts of bids in all different areas of the council, whether it's IT, traffic and transport, energy services. You know, we literally put in bids for anything we can do as possible because as a council, our budget is being cut and cut and cut and cut year on year on year but we still have to deliver these vital services whether it's for adult social services children services um you know anything to do with healthcare at the moment as well you know we can't cut those kind of things so unfortunately sometimes and this is across councils across the uk that you'll have to find you know other things to cut we're trying to put in bids wherever possible to get as much money as possible so we can better the lives of our residents But these bids, they take a long time to write up. And it's not just one officer. It could be five officers putting in their time, you know, away from something else that they could be doing. And and it's not always just, you know, you submit the bid and then you find out. Sometimes you have to go through stage one, then you have to go through stage two. You know, I mean, um, we were waiting for a bid. I think it took four or five months for something to come through to say whether we were successful. It's this competitive nature and pitting councils against councils I'm never going to say it's not great to receive a good chunk of money from the government from any kind of funding at all but then I see when it comes up on the government website you know if we've gone through funding for them and you see all the councils that haven't received a penny and you just think what are they going to do you know this kind of money any kind of money could make a significant difference to the council to the residents to service users and it's just such a shame to see councils fighting out, you know, fighting each other for these different pots of money. Um, and that's where it just feels really, I think that's the word grotty, that we have to fight among ourselves for any kind of money. Every council needs these green initiatives and not every council is going to get them because they might not have strong bid writing uh, officers or, you know, they might not quite tick the box. We've been very lucky. Um, Whereas I've seen some councils who want to do renewable services for their residents, like we do with Switched On Portsmouth, but they haven't been able to get the funding. And a reminder that you can find this week's post on the UK 100 Local Net Zero Delivery Progress Reports on the GreenEdge website at greenedge.substack.com. Now, we're almost halfway through the month and you've been reading reports, as is your wont. Uh, and pulling them together for what will be the uh, reports roundup at the end of August. What reports have you seen this week? Well, we actually got quite a bumper crop to report on. And I think I'll pick out two or three. And I'm picking those out because they have come out of conversations we've had with other people. One at Surrey County Council about the whole nature of skill gaps. And also with one of the staff at IEMA about skill gaps as well, Rebecca Turner. Now, the ones I'll pick out is the UK Green Skills Report. Now, this is produced by LinkedIn using data from its 29 million members in the UK. Now, that's the fifth number uh, of membership across the whole world. We're quite a world leader in LinkedIn membership. 
Now, one of the things that they present in that report is a world-leading statistic for the UK on green skills, and that is the penetration of green skills into more occupations across more jobs in more sectors than any other country except the United States. You can read into that what you like, but it is worth delving into the detail how they actually derive that number. It's a report that was overshadowed by a global report, and the UK one got virtually no coverage. Two other ones I'll pick out very quickly. One is the local skills improvement plans. The statutory guidance was relaunched this August for all local skills plans. And our comment on that is it's a very useful document. It's launched by the Department for Education. It makes extensive reference to Department of Education bodies like the Unit, Unit for Future Skills, the Careers and Enterprise Company, but makes no reference to the Green Jobs Delivery Group and to other skills group that exist in other government departments. It would be nice to see some tying across in that respect. And the third one is more of a web link to the Unit for Future Skills. They have launched their local skills dashboards, their beta version. And therefore, people who are looking at skills gaps, initial sets of data will start coming through from that website. And to some extent, it relates to the LMI for all work done by Warwick University. So a bit of a bumper crop for your monthly reports roundup at the end of August. Most certainly. Thank you for listening to this Green Edge podcast. This podcast series accompanies the Green Edge newsletter to which you can subscribe at greenedge.substack.com. The Green Edge is produced by Blue Mirror Insights.